Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my guest today is Amanda Whitcroft. Amanda, thanks for joining us. No, thank you for having me. So uh, you told me just a minute ago where you where you are right now and just to make the rest of us jealous. Sure. Uh, New York is having its first snowstorm and I'm in Cancun, Mexico. <laughs> yeah, what a way to start. New York is there and I'm not there. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Knowing in New York and I'm not there. So tell us a little bit about who Amanda Whitcroft is. Amanda Whitcroft. So I'm originally from about an hour and a half upstate New York. Um, Campbell Hall, New York is the name of the town. Um, I don't know if you know where the Woodbury Commons is, the big outlet mall. Um, I'm about 15 minutes from there. That's where I grew up. And um, I went to college in Long Island, New York, Adelphi University. And uh, I currently live in Jersey City, New Jersey. So upstate, is that like up in the Adirondacks or not quite that far? No, not that far. It's, um, I'm trying to think of another town you would know. It's a, it's about an hour south of Poughkeepsie, if you know where Poughkeepsie is. Yeah. Very pretty town. Very, a lot of farms, uh, cows, horses. So you're forced to kind of develop a personality because you're not next to much. (laughs) Well, my wife and I actually spent our honeymoon on the other side of Lake Champlain in Burlington. So just north of Burlington. So I love, love New England. That's very pretty. We're nowhere near that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little further north. That's right. Well, exactly. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing now and, and uh, kind of give me your elevator pitch. If you and I walk on an elevator, we're going up 10 floors. Tell us tell us what exactly you're doing right now. Sure. So uh, Panda PR I created uh, almost a year ago come February uh, 2019 will be a year. And, uh, you know, it was to be quite honest, an accident. I, I came from the entertainment production background. I started at the talent agency. Uh, I worked at ICM uh, in Los Angeles. I moved out to Los Angeles mm-hmm. right after college and I started in the talent agency in the mailroom. I worked my way up to a desk. I worked for um, the famous director, Luc Besson. I started as his assistant. I became his creative executive. And uh, the last film I worked on with him was Valerian with Cara Delevingne and uh, Dane DeHaan. And um, I was with him for about four or four and a half years. Um, And so I was very heavily involved in that world. I was on my way to becoming a film producer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I moved back to New York because of uh, family reasons. And when I moved back to New York, I got involved in talent management where I was working with actors. Um, so I was always a good, I was always good at kind of connecting the puzzle pieces and knowing what, because actors are essentially brands and I knew what went well with what and kind of every actor was so different that I knew, uh, how to, and being an actor myself Mm -hmm. originally, I knew how to kind of place and, and what to, to do for each actor because they're, they're so different according to their personality and, um, but I realized that I didn't want to be working with actors necessarily, mm-hmm. but, um, actual, you know, brands that were more of a product, uh, base. Right. So I, but I didn't realize that originally. So it was an accident. And I say that because I had some friends who had, you know, boutique businesses of which I helped them secure press and get them exposure with influencer marketing and how relevant that's become. Right. And they were the friends that told me, Amanda, you should be doing this for a living. And so that's how Panda PR kind of became what it is today. So is the uh, Panda because you were called Amanda Panda or something like that when you were little? Or 
That's that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted I wanted to do A and W my initials, but I uh, I was told that that sounded too much like the root beer. Yeah, I was so gonna I say the root for, beer already took that. So yeah, right. So I <laughs> I went for the pandas. <laughs> I, I love the name. So. So you kind of stepped into this. You said you you used to be an actor. So you were telling me just a little story about that off air. So you want to you want to kind of circle back and tell us the story of the Gotham scene. The Gotham, honestly, Gotham. I attribute to the director T.J. Scott, who's also a friend, uh, who was kind enough to get me that role on the TV. You know, I said, "Hey, can I audition for anything?" And he said, "Come in," you know come in an audition. I, he didn't give me any guarantee of booking anything. He just said, come in audition and we'll see what happens. And, you know, I auditioned and he texted me and said, you were the best audition. Um, you got the role. And that, that was that. And so that was also just a big accident. (laughs) So, but, uh, I, I did that and that was probably the first speaking role I had in, in TV. So the scene that we were talking about specifically about the about the table, can you can you touch on that just a little bit? <laughs> what do you what do you want me to say? <laughs> so so I, you know, sadly your character was killed off. She was. So what happened? What happened during that scene? You know, I the Mad Hatter uh was basically he was recreating his sister uh Alice in Wonderland. And I was a stranger to him, but because he was so neurotic about recreating his sister, he dressed me up being a total stranger and killed me because he was a psychopath, to say the least. And that was the end of my character. And the dying scene, I mean, there was a stuntman that kind of left something out that he was supposed to to put in this scene. That's right. So uh, the first time we filmed, they forgot to put the padding underneath the tablecloth and my head. And in that scene, you will hear the thump of which was my head actually hitting that table. (laughs) And they after a couple of takes, you know, they they then put the padding down of which you didn't hear the thump, but they were still good takes. And after all of that, the editor said, I think the first one was the best take. I said, yeah, you think because my head actually hit the table. Said, so, you see this bruise right here on my forehead? That yeah, that's, yeah that's no, real look, life. I got it. I got it. Sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll make sure in the show notes we ha- we'll have a link to that uh, to that scene just specifically. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, people can do PR can't... with me. I hit my head on the table. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> head so, head first. <laughs> so when did when did the uh, panda marketing come? When did that when did that really start? Um, it will be a year ago. Come February, uh, two thousand nineteen. So was there like a moment that you you realized, okay, I can either continue to pursue acting or I I need to kind of branch out or what was what was kind of that moment that you you said, hey, I need to do this versus this. So what what caused that shift? um, The shift is you, you know, I I think you you start to see for me anyway, I I started to see a future future. Um, you know, with my significant other and, Mm -hmm. and you start to want things that, um, acting can be so up and down and not stable. And I, I wanted something more stable. And I also had the skill set to, to do that. And it was a little more rewarding to be able to do that because I had that skill set. So I took that and I ran with it. 
So from the from say a year and a half ago till today, what's been kind of the the growth curve that you've seen? I mean, is it has it been up and down? Has it been a pretty steady incline? What, how would you describe the last eighteen months? Oh, completely up and down. And I think anybody in their first year, if they didn't tell you that, would be lying. Um, it's completely up and down. And you know, especially at the beginning, I mean, I would be on a complete high and then the next month have no clients. Mm. Um, and it's just because some, some startups that I would work with had funding at a certain time and they would lose it or they, um, they, they knew, or we both kind of knew that it was for a certain period of time and that was it. So in that case, and, and I have a friend who has a very uh, successful PR firm. And to this day, she tells me it's, it's so up and down. Yeah. And I think no matter first year or 10 years in, I think it's constantly shifting. Do you specialize in any specific type of PR? Is it, is it digital? Is it, I mean, are there, are there any other, say, branches in marketing that you kind of reach into as well? Do you work on SEO? Do you work on, I mean, you said you kind of mentioned influencer branding. So what else, what else are you, or influencer marketing, what else are, are you looking at or are you specializing in? Um, so I, I do, I mean, we're, we, we do everything, my team. We do uh, press, we do hard copy press, digital press, uh, influencer marketing, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. We do cross-pollination. We do, um, you know, I mean, just, just everything from digital to, to hard copy uh, across all channels, social media marketing, uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook, right. Instagram. So those those are your four kind of huge, and those are the, you know, big hits with sure. everyone that needs PR and marketing. Right. Um, and then there are now so many different angles of how you can approach PR and marketing. So it really ranges according to client. I mean, I have a client that I do all of their marketing collaterals for us. So they, they host a lot of different summits across Asia. Um, and I edit and I do, and I create all of their marketing materials for them to go out to those summits with. Um, and then I have clients that I just do press for digital and hard copy. And then I do, uh, for certain clients, just influencer marketing. So it really ranges, but, um, with, being in the digital age and where we are, it, it really is so unique and you never have a boring day because it's, it's always changing. It's also hard to specialize. It's hard to kind of keep, if, you, if you're that broad, it would be hard to keep current in so many different areas, I would think. And, and that's, I, right. that's where your team can, maybe, maybe you have people on your team that specialize in different areas uh, that, that might help that. But if you had to kind of kind of say, this is my ideal client, how would you describe that? Uh, so what I, what I pride myself on with Panda is we like to specialize in clients who anticipate the future. So not so much, um, you know, specializing in a specific industry or targeting Mm -hmm. a certain industry. I know there's a lot of PR firms who target lifestyle or, um, you know, blockchain or, and, and I like to say, I like clients who are anticipating the future as opposed to blocking myself off from other industries because I said, well, I'm only going to do food and beverage or I'm only going to do blockchain. I'm only going to do, you know, whatever the case, uh, mobile apps. I, I like to say that if you have a voice and if you have something that is going to better our future uh, generations, then I want to work with you. So 
I mean, are you talking about social kind of those that are focused on social good or are you are they social enterprises or is it just ones that are really anticipating the the changes that are coming societally like tech changes and anything tech lifestyle I mean every and in any industry you could benefit the future so right. again not not targeting an industry as opposed to the message that sure. your product or service is um, is doing so in the last 18 months what would you say would be that one that one moment you can look back and say that was my, that was the highest high right there that was that was the time I was on the top of the mountain uh, so I had a client who was being, who, who ran into legal issues, uh, with a bigger corporation mm -hmm. of which they were not associated with. And, um, my client was pretty upset by this and I took that and I created a story of, all right, well let's create, this is now corporate bullying going after the little guys. And because of that, um, it became the domino effect and, you know, as a publicist, you kind of have to take all the information you get from a client and create something that is um, is a story. That's that's you know, and that's where the job is creative and not a job, but it, it becomes creative. And so, I and and no joke. After that, it was you know, the New York Times, page six. Um, in, in that industry that I was working with, uh, every art pub, every huge art publication bit. And so after that, that all that marketing and all that press only furthered their success. So that was the, and that was actually my first big client mm -hmm. at Panda. And because of that, not only was it a domino effect for their marketing and their exposure, but it was also for my company and, and where I went with my clients. Right. I mean, I, I love the idea you're. I mean, I think I think to the commoner like myself, you kind of we kind of look at PR and marketing kind of interchangeably, but it really is a. I mean, they're really unique. And I mean, I have a, a friend that's uh, the PR director of, of the company I work at, and and she always talks about you know how do you capture the narrative or how do you set the narrative of the story? You know, how do you get ahead of it in essence instead of trying to catch up? And it looks like that's what you did with this story. You. You can use, okay, we got a David and Goliath situation here. Let's, how do we frame this that, that in essence maximizes the, uh, the, maybe we have the, we have less resources than the other, than the other party does, but how do we, how do we capture the story? How exactly. do we get the story leaning in our direction? And, and I, I mean, I love, love the fact that, that you recognize that angle, you know, and I, I, obviously your client did as well. Yeah, no, it, it, it is you're you're dressing your client at the end of the day, you you are taking because your client won't know they have all the information they built their their but they have no idea. And that's why they're hiring you, whether you're a startup or, you know, an established firm, they're hiring you because they don't know what journalists want. They don't know what, uh, especially with how fast we're moving in the digital right. age, they don't know what the expectation is of what they've created. So they're relying on you to not only come up with the narrative, but they're relying on you to, um, to create what they have created and, and make it to the point of what they have dreamed of. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where I am so passionate about the people who are anticipating the future because that narrative is easy to create. Sure. So if you had to kind of pinpoint, say, one or two pain points that you encounter on a pretty regular basis, I mean, other than the fact that it's, it, you know, the entrepreneurial roller coaster that you, 
you find yourself on and, and every other startup finds themselves on. So what would you say would be one or two pain points that maybe our listening audience could speak into to kind of, you know, help help kind of the frame the narrative around, you know, even your business? So, um, so how I started for is the question, like how I or what's what's really a, a pain point that you encounter on a regular basis that you say, you know, oh. this is an obstacle we hit. Yeah. Or, you know, one or two obstacles we hit on a regular every day. It's a speed bump yeah. on the road. How do we overcome those? No, absolutely. Um, I mean, for example, being a startup is is a huge obstacle. I mean, I'll just tell you with certain clients. It, it's so strange, though, because sometimes I get clients who are franchises and who and they they want the startups and they're like, we want you because you're hungry and you, you want to work and you're going to work for less. And right. so we want you. And then you get these clients who are not your franchises. And it's, so it gets kind of, um, confusing in that way because, you know, restaurant industry or mostly your lifestyle industry actually will kind of be gun shy in a way to take on a startup firm as opposed to one of the more established firms. And that can become really frustrating because we are, we are as in, in fact, if more capable of, you know, from the other established firms, but because you have the unfortunate negative connotation of being a startup in PR and marketing, which is the service industry, you know, I think in product, being a startup is more exciting because sure. that means, oh, you could go to Shark Tank. Oh, you could, you know, you could go on to CNBC's, you know, show. I, I forget the name of it. But when you're a service industry and you're a startup, there is a little bit more of, of reluctance to work with you. And that's frustrating because, you know, it, it's like you got to start somewhere right. and you you have to take a chance on a company that may be small, but has the means mm -hmm. and, and has the experience and, and has the network and the resources to do better than your bigger firms who you could become just a number. And, and coming from the entertainment production side of representing actors, for example, mm -hmm. if you, you know, were a developmental actor, you could sign with one of the big four top talent agencies, but you're a number sure. and you're not actually you know, being developed, you're right. just, okay, you're sitting on a roster and it's the same with PR and marketing is that, okay, you could sign with the Rogers and Cowan, but you could potentially be, um, just a client sitting on that roster as opposed to being developed and being, you know, actually prioritized. And I think at a startup, I deal with that all the time where sometimes I get clients that have the wrong idea mm -hmm. of what a startup actually means. I love the way you just framed that. I mean, how you kind of juxtapose the the product startup versus a service startup. I mean, mm -hmm. it is that that is really really interesting the way you frame that. I, you know, we've done interviews virtually all year long, and I've never had anybody make that distinction. But it makes perfect sense, you know, the way yeah. that you framed that. So, what would you say would be a, a another pain point other than kind of the you know overcoming the perception of being a startup or the you know how people perceive you as a startup? What would be another pain point that you encounter that you maybe you or your team encounters on a on a fairly regular basis? Um, I mean, I guess I guess um, you know the expectation the expectation of of certain clients and um, well not client but potential clients and their mm -hmm. expectation. I I have actually in my startup phase have turned away 
certain clients because of the expectation. And, you know, and of course, I always do the proposal before signing them. And that's just a, a formality of kind of sure. getting out everything on, you know, in writing. And but some clients have had these these expectations that um, are beyond what they have created so far. And so I guess in in it's kind of it's it's a double standard, but it, you have on the one side you want people to take a chance on you because you're the startup, and on the other hand you want people to take a chance on you, but don't be, uh, you know, too big for your britches either, so mm -hmm. to speak. I guess it's like you you want a startup, but also have something in order for a startup to take that and create something out of it. You know, I've had people come to me and say they're internationally renowned. And they're coming to us and if immediately a red flag goes off and you're like, mm, you know, what, what, and then you do your, cause you have to, you have to do your due diligence right. as a firm before working with someone. Right. And, and you can't, you know, even though, um, I have to scale my business, I also don't want to take on clients for the sake of a retainer fee. I want to take on clients. I actually, which is why I say I want them to be anticipating the future as opposed to just talking and, and, you know, blowing smoke. And sometimes there are potential clients who are coming to me with these um, pitches for me to take them on. Mm -hmm. And you, you know before you take them on that it's not, it's not uh, realistic. Right. And so that's another problem I encounter is that if I don't see something that I can actually work with, I won't take it on. Uh, sometimes I have taken it on and in the first month I know it's not a fit and I have said, no, this yep. we can't we can't keep working together because there's too many cooks in the kitchen, or there, it's just not realistic. Right, I mean, and I would think that 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 would be a very difficult sell on your part to talk to a client that has an unrealistic expectation or or maybe an unrealistic self perception of who they right. really are. You're going, no, you're not uh, you're not LeBron James here. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You, you matter of fact, you're but, five, four and you're right. And you but know. you know, you know, what's great though, is that, you know, in the first two seconds of talking to someone, I mean, no, not two, but you know, but you know, in the first minute of talking to someone, if that is the case. So it's very easy to decipher who has realistic expectations and who actually is in need of PR and marketing, you, yep. you know, immediately. That's probably because you probably have a, a really uh, acute gift of intuition though. I would think you, you really can, I mean, anybody that can recognize in the first two seconds that this is client is realistic or not, probably really can see into their soul too. So it's I mean, a, I would, I would only hope that somebody who started their own business, if somebody came to you as a startup firm and said, I'm internationally renowned, I want you that you go red flag. <laughs> yes, exactly right. That's right. That's right. I looked on your Facebook profile. You are certainly not. Yeah, no, Thank not you. you. No, not you. I'm talking about the generic. Yeah, okay, <laughs> generic yeah. you. That's right. Exactly. I looked up that exactly. client, and there's no way they are world yeah. renowned. So you can't you can't kid a kidder. It's just like PR and marketing is so specific. It's so researched that it's like you if you're gonna come to me with you know a fake pitch and not what you actually are then it's, it's not going to work because although a business PR and marketing to do marketing properly and authentically, you, it is so personal yep. as a side to business. So if, if you do not connect, if you do not have that same page kind of, you know, then it will not uh, be effective. You know, it's uh, what they say. If you, if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. 
So, I mean, what a what you know, great line. And, it's, and people can see through that as well with, with PR and marketing. We say, you know, this is, this is not a, a genuine, accurate story here either. So exactly. I mean, you, you have to kind of get in their head as well too. And you, you be, actually become the client in some respect because you're speaking oh, yeah. on their behalf. So um, exactly. you really have to under, understand who you're working with. So let's, let's kind of shift here a little bit and take a little bit of a deeper dive, just kind of get inside your head a bit. And so if you had to, had to say there's one person online um, that really inspires you. Who would you who would you kind of pinpoint and and say this this person I really look to for, you know, kind of long distance guidance and, and mentorship. Well, um, you know, I think being a former actress, I would have to say uh, George Takai because George Takai yeah. has uh, beautifully transitioned from kind of, you know, if you are the geek check <laughs> star trek fan if you're a trekkie like my family was mm -hmm. you know you um you love george takai and he was sulu on star sure. trek and he he has beautifully transitioned to kind of this social media mogul and he everything that he posts on twitter you know your celebrities and your you know everyone your joe schmoes are reposting it yep. and because everything that he has to say much like jim carrey now sure. is is so um relevant and is so inspiring and and well thought out and um you know i think a lot of people look to this gary gary v on mm -hmm. instagram yep. and I'll, I'll be honest with you i can't stand him because i think that he he contradicts himself and he is a hypocrite in many ways um, but what i do respect is somebody who comes from a different industry and has transitioned into something completely different mm -hmm. and can speak to um a bigger, uh, the broader picture coming from, a, you know, a specific industry like George Takai did. Sure. And he speaks so eloquently with every, whether it's politics, whether whatever it is, mm -hmm. the subject matter, everybody gets on board with what he's saying. And I think that's everything. So. And he had, I, I, he had kind of a silent, you know, he had a, a kind of a large section of life that was kind of the silent years, you know, between Star Trek and between the time, I guess, you know, social media kind of reintroduced him to yeah. you know, a whole new generation. So if there was a, a particular life quote that you had to kind of point toward, is, is there a one line life quote or mantra or whatever that you have you know, taped up on the wall somewhere and you, you try to re refer to or maybe lead your team toward? Yes, it's uh, do what you love and get paid for it. And that's uh, George Burns that mm -hmm. said that. So. <laughs> now that's a throwback. <laughs> and yeah, next thing you know is you say, I met him. You there's no way you met him. <laughs> no. I unfortunately I did not, but he another well put guy. <laughs> if you could go back and go back eighteen months, twenty four months or whatever, kind of pre startup, pre panda PR startup. What would be a a uh, word of advice that you would give yourself that you think, man, this would have saved me so much time and heartache and effort? Or is, is there is there one one or two things that you would go back and say, I wish I knew this. I know it now, but I wish I knew it then. Yeah, I think you know it, it kind of ties into our you know beginning of the conversation is is 
you know, everyone is so, what is the industry you're targeting? Who, mm-hmm. who do you work with? Who, you know, and I think anybody who's starting any business, no matter what service that you're going into, and I can only speak from the service side, but, um, you know, don't, be so quick to pigeonhole yourself into a certain industry. Don't, you know, I, I would say to be open and to, uh, allow it to kind of figure itself out as opposed to saying I'm lifestyle or, you know, whatever industry that even you are more, um, drawn to is, is let it find itself. And because honestly, I, the things that the people and the clients that I have worked with, I would never have expected. So, um, in that sense, I would say just be open and, and allow it to figure itself out. So do you think you're, you're kind of your ideal client if, if you have, I mean, if you've kind of evolved to that point, I mean, if you look back at your ideal client, does it kind of fit your personality? Does it, I mean, does it kind of fit around you know, passions and interests that you have, or is it more, um, you're really just kind of stepping into opportunities? Um, I, I think that certain clients do absolutely, but I think, um, I'd be lying if I didn't say that some are opportunities, right? Um, you know, I think it's kind of a, a toss up, but, uh, for the most part, it's also, like I said, it's, it's so personal. If I connect with the founder, if I connect and we're on the same page, like, I'm working with a client now that uh, is a mobile app company that I would never have thought I'd be working with, mm-hmm. with in, in terms of the subject matter of the app. But because the founder and I, she and I see eye to eye, and she's also a female entrepreneur uh, who's actually speaking in New York um, this weekend at the uh, Female Entrepreneur Summit that's happening there. You know, um, had her and I not seen eye to eye, to eye I wouldn't be working with her. So mm-hmm. it's, it's so personal right. that again, you have to be open and not pigeonhole yourself because of, you know, this is where I see my company going. Something sounds like the, the connection kind of led to the, the, I mean, the personal connection kind of led to the opportunity in, in that respect. I mean, yeah. Back. And I think all, all good business does. I think all good business, it, it starts personal and it leads to, you know, it just representing actors. It's like if you didn't have that personal connection, it, then you didn't work as hard for that actor. You didn't pitch them as right. good as you would if you didn't care about that actor. And it's the same with a client in PR and marketing. If you don't care about what they're doing, if you don't care about where that person is coming from, then how can you pitch them? Mm-hmm. How can you how can you actually put them out there and and shed good light on what they're doing? Well, this is not a, a question that I had, had sent you earlier, so I'm kind of going to throw you a little bit of a curve here. So you'll bear with me, but I think you can handle it just fine. So <laughs> if you let's let's do just a t- almost a tiny micro class here on on PR. So if the listeners that are out there, they've got you know they're kind of solo startups there sidepreneurs or side hustlers or freelancers or whatever, what would you say, give them, give them maybe three really salient points about um, how to do good PR, how to, what is, what does good PR look like for my, for my business? What are, what are say two or three things that, Hey, you really got to figure this out to really okay. be able to, to do PR well for, for yourself. And then tell us how we can get a hold of you. <laughs> so, uh, Nobody can do it but me. No, I'm just kidding. So, P- P- good, good Step PR one, and, and marketing. Look up PR marketing, yeah. 
<laughs> so step one is to be OCD about spelling grammar oh, yeah. and who you are writing to and how, I mean, from the client's name to the client's company name to, uh, I mean, every, if you misspell the client's name, if you misspell, um, they're from there, you're from your, mm. um, people, you know, journalists are being inundated with press releases day to day. If you don't, if you don't have spelling under control as opposed to grammar, forget it. Um, so be so OCD and, and meticulous about your press releases. And then I would say, uh, emotional intelligence is the biggest, uh, you know, mm asset to go into PR and marketing. So if you're going to go and, and you want to pursue PR and marketing, you have to have a, you have to, as they say, have the gift of gap. You have to know how to talk to people. You have to know, um, because like, and I keep saying it, but I'll say it again. It's, you have to know how to talk to people. And if you don't, then you've lost half the game because sure. it, and more than half, because honestly, the, the way I get clients, the way I have started, the, the clients who I am speaking to is all because, um, I know how to, I know how to talk to people. I know how to approach people. Um, and in that becomes, how do you talk to journalists? So in every, it's called public relations, you know, it's called For social, reason, yeah. social media. I mean, all the channels that you're using to you know, create exposure for your clients are public are out there. And in order to do that, you have to know how to talk to your audience. Mm -hmm. You know how you have to be relevant. You have to know what's happening. You have to watch the news. You have to be current on events. Right. Um, if you have a client who is in certain industries, you know, be, be up to date on what's happening in those industries on what's happening in those areas of the world. If you're global, um, because if you don't, you're out in two seconds. So, um, that kind of, um, you know, watching the news, being OCD in your writing and being extremely, uh, meticulous on, on like your writing and, and how you're talking to people, because if you have no, and, and it's unfortunate because it's, it's kind of that double standard. We, we are moving towards the digital age, which mm -hmm. is so important, you know, your social media channels, right. but at the same time, what wins is this is talking to people face to face. Sure. And that always wins out anything else, uh, over email, over social media. It's, it's the face to face. And if you can't, um, get that, if you don't know how to talk to people, then, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's the biggest thing. And that's in every interview I had when I was in Los Angeles, when I was in New York, before I ran my company, that is how I got every job. Um, you know, I started, I used my Facebook as a LinkedIn. I still do. Yeah. And I message people and, and it turns into either a phone call or a Skype or whatever, what have you. And after that conversation, I, I kid you not, it, that person becomes a client or at least, you know, it becomes an in-person meeting. And that's because of, you know, that gift of gab. And if mm -hmm. you don't have that, that's, that's hard to, to learn. Well, it's, it's interesting. You, you mentioned that because using your, your Facebook kind of as your LinkedIn, you know, as a LinkedIn substitute, because that's how I found you was, yeah. was through Facebook. And, um, so how did I do when I, when I approached you, did I spell all my words right? 
You did. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. I'm not your client. So you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Man, I am so glad that I took that little little detour to ask you that uh, that last question because you just kind of came alive. I mean, not that you weren't already, but I mean, there was like a, you went to DEF CON 2 there for a second and, and it was just a, it was a, a new oh. level of, I just kind of, I felt like I'd uncorked the bottle there and, and really <laughs> got, got to the good stuff right there. No, the, I'm, the I'm very passionate about this. I, oh, you know, I, I, I love it. Yeah. I think it's great. Well, so, so tell our listeners how they can find you and, and uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, so Instagram and Facebook, it's just uh, Panda PR and marketing both. Uh, and we're on Twitter, but we don't use it so much. So Instagram and Facebook is the best way. Well, man, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Is there any any closing thought that you want to kind of leave with our listeners or how, how would you want to wrap this up? And and uh, as we're coming to the close of our chat here, uh, you know, anybody who's going to start their own business, which I'm only almost a year in. So I guess anybody who wants to, you know, anybody who has an idea, again, product or service, uh, don't be afraid to do it. And, you know, our our economy in the United States is the best it's ever been right now. So go for it and don't be afraid to to dive in and um, and don't take yourself too seriously. You know, I, I think my mom has the best advice, which is if you want people to like you, listen and don't talk. So <laughs> always listen and and don't think that you know it all. And because no one does. And I certainly don't. And, and you're always learning and you're always going to learn from every experience. So that's that's it. So good. let's just wrap this up with the, with the kind of I love the statement. Just go for it. I mean, yeah. what a way to uh, and I just I love the way that you kind of framed this today. And, and I know our listeners have have really benefited from hearing you kind of outline your story, but also give us some some real usable tips here at, at the near the end of the of the conversation here. And Amanda, thanks again for just helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Have a great no, day. No, thank you so much. It's good to talk thanks to you. Thanks for having me on. All right, thank thanks. you. All right. Bye, Kevin. Thank you.